1: the big bets on campus podcast podcast Podcast. all right here we go
2: the
1: size of the fight in the door. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the week four college football betting preview brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, Colin Wilson. I'm excited. This is a week where I call it data week, test week. You know, some of these teams haven't had a test. You'll start to get a test. You know, you'll see, okay, let's see them get tested this week. And then finally, it's like, okay, now we have like a month's work worth of data to start not relying on priors as much. So I think we're going to learn a lot this weekend. We have a lot of games to get to this weekend. Are you ready to roll, Cone?
2: I am. I'm here to uh, pay up some bets uh, thanks to my uh, Razorbacks. But, uh, you know, more importantly, this schedule this week is loaded with overlooked spots. Like we had a sandwich spot with Arkansas, Missouri state last week, overlooking the conference play. A lot of teams fall into that this week. So, you know, and, and you're right. We finally have uh, a month's worth of data. Let's see if it plays out. We should know these teams identities by now. So let's see how it plays out.
1: Yeah. Colin will be breaking down Texas A&M Arkansas in a neck brace a la Bobby Petrino. So I'm really looking forward to that, Um, but let's let's get right into things. We don't have much time to spare. And let's start with a little Friday night lights. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts.
0: Let's go play some football.
1: Let's go, All right, so we have three games on Friday night. We'll go through these quickly. Virginia at Syracuse. Syracuse 10-point favorite over under 54. Virginia's just been a hot mess. I mean, they escaped Old Dominion. They were absolutely blown out by Illinois. You know, it's Brendan Armstrong, and that's about it. The offensive line lost everything. It's a mess. The offense is not doing much. This is not your high-flying Virginia offense that you saw last year. One of those reasons is the offensive coaching staff is now at Syracuse. Syracuse fresh off that amazing comeback win and miraculous cover for us against Purdue. It's been a bounce-back season for Syracuse overall. Does the coaching play into this? Does Virginia have a shot to stay within 10? I was thinking that Syracuse is going to be a little bit overvalued after last week, a little fortunate, but I'm not sure I can get behind this Virginia team. Probably a pass for me, but what are you seeing here? Yeah,
2: to me this is a complete lean to the over. The Syracuse offensive line has just been plowing holes or 6th and line yards the Virginia defense outside the top 100 in the same category. There's just not going to be any answers for Sean Tucker. He's going to get his 100 yards. He'll still be outside the, the the you know the orbit of the Heisman talk, but I lean to the over here probably the play I'm going to make, but this Virginia offense has been just a disaster.
1: Top to Yeah, me. yeah, it all starts up front and but Syracuse you go back to their old offense just with Schrader and Tucker and running up and down the field and they should have success against Virginia. Second game on Friday night, Nevada at air force, air force, 24 point favorite here, 46, total 46. I look, I'm not in the business of laying 24 with a service Academy, especially one that I don't know the status of a couple starters on offense. One of the reasons they went down to Wyoming last week, but I'm also not in the business of betting on Nevada ever. And this is a terrible spot for Nevada. They're the run defense is not any good. They played a seven and a half hour game in Iowa on Saturday night. The dare to what the game went until two 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 thirty a.m. Eastern. Now in a short week, you have to travel to altitude with less prep time for the triple option. You could say they they play you know Air Force a lot, but this is a brand new defense. Like right, there's brand new staff. It's so if I would only play Air Force in situation, but with the uncertainty surrounding who's playing for Air Force, and the fact that if you go back in time and look at service academies laying over 21 to anybody, I, I don't care if it's Fordham, Little Sisters of the Poor, uh, or Nevada. Um, they, it, you know, it's it doesn't go well. There's long, long possessions, and all it takes is just like one fumble here or there, and you're cooked. So lean under, lean Air Force, probably a stay away.
2: Yeah, I project Air Force 24. I make the total 47, so it's right in line with the market. And you're right, Nevada, three lightning delays in the second half. Uh, Look, Quarterback Nate Cox has been cleared for this game. And Air Force had 30 to 40. We didn't know this last week going into Wyoming. 30 to 40 players missed practice with flu symptoms. Five of their best starters were out for the game. A handful of players uh, that missed Wyoming, they're going to be back in this game. So I want the under in this game. I agree with you. The only hope is I'm not gonna play any money, I'm not gonna play anything pregame. And the only hope is that Air Force just comes out hair on fire, lost last week, pissed off, gets a touchdown, and then a key number of 51, 49, something like that pops up because I'm not buying under 46 and a half or 47, 48. I'll start to consider. But let's hope Air Force gets an initial touchdown. I will be coming in to play an under at that point.
1: Yeah. If I can, if I can ensure that all those Air Force guys are back, maybe I'll play Air Force. So make sure you check out the Action Network app because I'm in the business of hating Nevada every single week. It just, it, it's just, it's going to be a long season for Nevada. Um, it, but those those service academies, it's really tough to get that type of information. Like who's going to be out there. Black boxes, they're not really well covered in the media. All right, let's go on to the third and final game on Friday night. Boise State at UTEP. UTEP 16 point home dog here, over under 45 and a half. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso picks up. Minor Nation, we are home, we are back. I'm going to the well for the first time this year. We're going minors baby, get their first cover of the season. They're 1 and 3, 0 oh and 4 against the spread. Colin is showing the Minor Nation helmet, a beautiful helmet right now. And if we can get this cover, we can hear from our guy, our friend in Minor Nation. We can all eat some pe- enjoy some pizza over the weekend for the first time on the voicemails nine five nine bad beat by the way call over the weekend for whatever you want to call about but i just think this number is too high not a great spot for boise short week going to utep you got san diego state start a conference play on deck and it's a large number for an inept offense to cover and this offense the boise state offense has been a mess the quarterback play has been inconsistent hank back also left last week's game with an injury i think he's going to play but something to note their offensive line has been a disaster the receiver's Cannot get any separation. They really miss Shakir, who's now with the Bills. And, you know, UTEP's offense is a snail. We know that. And they're also awful. Last year, they were one of the most inefficient offenses in college football. They still won seven games because of explosiveness. Hard to repeat when you no longer have Jacob Cowing, who's now with Arizona. He was really their entire offense. Defensively, both of these teams have been stronger up front. Boise State's linebackers and defensive line have been really good boise can't really throw the ball and tim plowd the offensive coordinator he's getting a lot of heat in boise for his play calling he came out earlier this week and said look we want to huddle up more we want to run the ball we want to become a more methodical offense so yeah they're not really i don't think they're going to test utep's secondary as much as some teams can now you have to hope utep doesn't turn it over a million times utep turned over six times last year and gave up a punt return touchdown and got blown out of boise last week they got blown out by new mexico they had seven turnovers, including a pick six. Can't do that. The way UTEP is really close in this game is if they hit some of the explosive pass plays, which Boise has given up. And I think they'll likely be without two starters in the secondary who got hurt last weekend against an FCS opponent. One of them got carted off. So there might be some opportunities for Garrett Hardison to hit, you know, a couple explosive passing plays here. But I like this under. I'm going to play the under small, especially now with Boise saying they just want to run it and go in the huddle more. Catching 16 at home in a game that I think is going to be extremely slow and low scoring in a good spot for a minor nation off of a bad loss. I'll take UTEP plus 16, baby, minor nation.
2: I project Boise at 16. I project a total of 41 and a half. So really from a numbers perspective, this thing has still got some meat on the bone from a totals. Like I I completely expecting this to go under, even after the steam that hit it this week, opener of 49 and a half, all the way down to 45 and a half. And UTEP took, you know, sharp money on Sunday on opener Monday. Uh, so that's definitely going to be the side, but both of these offense have just been lifeless in scoring position. That's why I like the under better. And I like UTEP because Boise's 113th in pace. They want to be slower. They've only had 16 drives go past the 40 yard line. When UTEP and their 22 trips past the 40 yard line, they've averaged 2.2 points. That's not a lot. Uh, you got to give the Boise defense some credit. It's a tougher buy for me on UTEP. I can I can get into the under. Uh, I would like a, another point, maybe 17 on UTEP before I consider buying them. But that's the side.
1: Minor nation, baby. All right, let's move on to the games everyone came here to talk about. It's another fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups we'll all end up betting for week four and we'll lead things off with the segment everybody wants to see that is Arkansas against Texas A&M on a neutral field as always Texas A&M two point favorite here over under 49. Colin I'm going to throw this to you and your neck brace that I sent you and uh, break this one down. Woo pig suey. Absolute dumpster fire dumpster fire I don't know how we win a game the rest of the year. Just blow the program
2: up. Give us a death sentence.
1: Collins talking Razorback football.
2: Well, first, I would like to say uh, thank you to Sam Pittman for being out coached and underprepared. Uh, here we go. Probably the greatest moment in my video podcasting life is going to be wearing a Bobby Petrino neck brace. No volleyball player, or Harley, to go with it. I should be doing the podcast with one of some of those. Arts uh, on Texas A&M. I project this game as a pick total in the high fifties. That's well over. This thing is so tight. Uh, I don't know how he wore this through that whole interview and just BS everybody and kept his job through Jeff long. All right. So the total yeah, I've got projected in the high fifties. So I've already took an over or uh, in the action app, I took Texas A&M in the middle of this week. And really let's look at this Arkansas defensive back seven. I mean, Missouri state was able to have explosive plays, poor tackling. They're now outside the top 100 in coverage grading. They are going to get Miles Slusher back. Uh, He's practicing this week. Uh, I don't think it matters, Stuck. I don't think Slusher being back is enough for this defense. The tackle grading is 124th in the nation. Missouri State wide receivers look like a pinball, just bouncing off little bumpers and going on their way down the field. I think the biggest misconceived thing I've read, and everybody that's covered this game, is that Arkansas is number one in the nation in sacks. That is true. 17 total. But guess what? 14 of them came against an FCS offensive line and South Carolina, who I am now saying is not the worst trench in the SEC, maybe the worst trench in power five. So, you know, get, you get those 17 sacks. They only had three against Cincinnati. I don't think the pass rush is as great as everybody is saying. And, you know, the offense was bailed out by Raheem Sanders against Missouri State. And I'm not sure that the Hogs have any other options. This whole stable of four running backs A.J. Green's on the back of a milk carton. Haven't seen him all year. Uh, Dominique Johnson, dressed last week, is cleared to play, but he's not coming back until his offseason knee injury is right. So you're essentially looking at the K.J. Jefferson and Raheem Sanders show, and Texas A&M is going to you know, probably not have a problem keying on those two and forcing K.J. into long passing downs, which he hasn't had to really do yet this year. You go over to the Texas A&M offensive side of the ball. I think there's something hidden about Max Johnson that nobody's talking about. Why is he better for the Texas A&M offense over Haynes King? Can't believe I'm doing this with a neck brace on. Because, think about this, Max Johnson, I said last week, he's been an SEC offense, he's been behind a terrible offensive line, he knows how to handle pressure. He didn't have any turnovers last week, but more importantly, the worst offensive lineman on Texas A&M's line is the left tackle, generally the blindside tackle. Trey Zun has allowed 22 pressures over the last two games. Guess what? Max Johnson is a lefty. That is not a blindside tackle anymore, and I think it's a huge benefit for that offensive line that Max Johnson can see that edge defender coming. Not that I think that Arkansas can apply any pressure here, but the fact that the Razorbacks are 124th in tackling and their coverage has gone down the shitter, I think Devin A. Shane and Aeneas Smith are going to get the ball. And I think they're going to have explosive plays. And that's going to be the difference in this game.
1: Yeah. Uh, by the way, this you might get abandoned by Hog Nation and Wu Pig Sui for in dressed as Petrino touting Texas AM against Arkansas, but I agree. I'll be on Texas AM here. When I look at the when Arkansas is the ball, the strength of Texas AM's team is their defense. I don't think Arkansas is going to have too much success moving the ball. They're going to really miss Traylon Burks here. I mean, if you look at some of their scores, yeah, they, they eventually got going against Missouri State. They put up a million points on South Carolina. Do you know, by the end of that game, South Carolina was missing their starting outside linebacker, Jordan Strachan, starting middle linebacker, Muhammad Kama, starting safety, Devani Reed, starting safety, R.J. Roderick, starting cornerback, Darius Rush, starting cornerback, Cam Smith, starting other linebacker, Stone Blanton. A starting defensive tackle, Alex Huntley. Not all the injuries happened in that game. Some of them weren't playing. By the way, South Carolina might be without all of those guys this week. Um, eight starters. The defense was just completely average. So I don't think Arkansas is going to have too much success moving the ball. And then when I look at the other side of the ball, that it's okay. I don't trust the Texas a offense, and I don't trust the Arkansas defense. We saw South Carolina put up 30 on them. We saw Missouri State go up 17-0. Um, we saw Cincinnati as soon as Catalan went out. Just explosive plays, explosive plays. So Texas a ms offense, while limited and I hate it, has is right on par with those teams. We're not talking about Georgia and Alabama. So I think they're going to hit some explosive plays. Even on third downs, I think they might have some success running the ball. It's not going to be easy, but I think that this line should be three or above. And I think Arkansas is getting too much love for kind of a, you know, I don't know if you can start, but it's flawed if you really dig into it. And then they've had some injuries. And the Texas A&M is getting too much hate for the – App state loss, so yeah, I agree. them. bet fulfilled. Yeah, bet fulfilled.
2: Oh my God, Kendall Brials. you got one coming to you, man. You have to pay for making me wear a neck brace during my podcast. All right,
1: let's go. Um, <laughs> I should. We should bet it again. If Arkansas, if Arkansas ends up winning this game, I should make you do something else because I'll, I'll be on it. So we'll both be on Texas a And M uh, this weekend. So I agree with you there. All right, let's move on to our second. Marquee game of the day. But before we do, I just want to give a heads up to our listeners. Action is a new live show called Green Dot Daily. Quick roundup of the day's betting that airs every weekday at noon Eastern on the Action app and our social channels. You'll see Colin and I on there. I think Colin did it today. I do it on Fridays. Chris Raybon, Our whole team really swings by to give their daily picks and thoughts on the card. Just launched the podcast version of the show. We do shows every weekday afternoon Go up around 1 o'clock, so be sure to subscribe to the Green Dot Daily podcast to fulfill all of your daily betting needs presented by our friends at BetMGM. All right, let's move on to the second marquee game of the day. Clemson at Wake Forest. Wake Forest, 7.5 point home dog here, total 56. This game's at noon on ABC. By the way, Texas and Arkansas, 7 Eastern in primetime on ESPN. Wake Forest home dog here. It's They escaped Liberty. Sam Hartman is back at quarterback, but there's some – and I'm having a hard time breaking this game down because there's some worrying signs with Wake forest. They number one, they can't run the ball lick. I don't know if Sam Hartman is fully healthy, but the offensive line which supposed to be a strength hasn't necessarily been. And we know the defense isn't good. So the, but my biggest fear here is because of some of the offensive line struggles we've seen Clemson in the past, in the past, if you go back to last year when Sam Hartman, he's going to take the handoff and the whole origin of their offense is there's, you know, he's going to fake the handoff and it's a delayed mesh point. And he says, okay, let me pull it based on what the defense does, or I'm going to hand it off or I'm going to take it. And Clemson in the past has just blown it up and there's no time to read anything that's going on. There's no time to pull it and throw it. And everything just gets discombobulated. Now, if that doesn't happen, I think that Wake Forest can have some success throwing the ball against this Clemson secondary, which, and look, the Clemson gave up some some yards, more yards, and I thought that Georgia Tech, Furman, had some success moving the ball against them. And I still don't buy this Clemson offense. So, but it's the Wake Forest defense. Clemson has owned this series, by the way. Last time Wake Forest won outright, 2008, I think. Uh, That was probably C.J. Spiller, Riley Skinner, maybe for Wake Forest. So, yeah, I'm having a tr- hard time breaking this one down. It's not a great matchup for Wake, but I don't know if I can trust this Clemson offense to lay over a touchdown. So help, help me out here. What do you say?
2: I, I am having a hard time making a case for Wake just like you because the market is screaming Wake, right? A mm-hmm. lot of people will just you know take a stance on a game and they will only give you a narrative that fills that team. I could sit here and tell you a billion things about Clemson, but I'm telling you that the market is screaming that Wake is going to cover this game and it's going to go under. And the problem that where I get hung up stuck is the fact that this series has been within 20 points, just one time since 2015, which was a 14 point win by Clemson in 2017. This is going to come down to Clemson running the ball. DJU is getting like eight to 10 designed carries per game. And Wake is not going to be able to do anything about that because they're a much better pass defense than they are a rush defense. So I understand, like, the market is screaming Wake, but I am just not seeing it. I, I'm saying, away. I do want the under in this, but I, I just can't buy Wake at seven, even at seven and a half. I'm not even tempted then. I, maybe you, maybe you, maybe something live. I don't know. Not me.
1: I, I don't hate the under. If I had to bet it right now, I would take the under because of if, if I had to project how this goes, maybe a first half under because I imagine that Clemson's defense will be ready for the Wake offense. They're going to shut it down. Clemson, I think that they're going to come out a little conservative, rely on the run. Clock will be moving. I think a lot of success moving the ball on the ground, too. Move the clock. And then if Wake gets far behind, you're going to see them just start chucking. If Wake gets ahead, It'll force Clemson to start chucking. So I think that this will start out a little slower. So I think maybe a first half under is a look there.
2: By the way, I project the under at 60, uh, project the under at, at uh, below the 55 and a half right now.
1: Um,
2: so, you know, I do, uh, I do think now is the time to buy.
1: Yeah, I might go first half under. I might talk myself into it. And you see these weight games a lot of times just blow up late. All right, let's move on to our third marquee game of the day. Kansas State at oklahoma oklahoma is laying 12 and a half over under 53 and a half these two teams coming off completely different weeks kansas state maybe they got caught looking ahead a little bit but we love this tulane team they lost outright at home to tulane while oklahoma destroyed nebraska um, much to my pleasure displeasure and you know at I, if you look back historically over the past few years, Kansas state, always a big dog against Oklahoma, sometimes wins outright, always scares them. And, you know, so I, when I start looking at this game, my first initial lean is to Kansas state. I was waiting on 14. It's never going to get there. I'll probably still end up playing them from a numbers perspective. The, look, their defense will be ready, but I'm worried about, and, because, and I still have questions about the Oklahoma offense, right? Like Oklahoma's offense Dylan Gabriel has looked good, but he's played nobody. And, you know, when you consider against Kent State, they didn't do much the whole first half. Against UTEP, they a little struggle at times. It wasn't as pretty as you would like to see. And then they destroyed Nebraska. But and we thought Nebraska's defense was going to be up and, and emotionally and ready for it. But we talked about how much Nebraska's defense stinks. Nebraska's defense got shredded by Georgia Southern. They got shredded by Northwestern, right? So I don't. I don't want to just go on and say this Oklahoma offense is now a juggernaut. I still have some questions about it, but my primary question here, which is giving me a little pause, so the number says plays, play Kansas State here. The spot says play Kansas State. Is Kansas State cannot throw the ball? They are not throwing the ball deep. We've talked about this multiple over multiple weeks. They're not attempting any passes deep. Adrian Martinez is like they're just saying, be the game manager, hand the ball off to Deuce Vaughn, one of the best backs in the country. Now, Venables knows this. Oklahoma has some dudes up front. So if Kansas State is not going to take shots, now the hypothesis is they blew out a couple teams and then they were at a war with Tulane. Let's not have Martinez make mistakes. Let's not show anything before Oklahoma. But, like, you got you, you, you to go out and win the game against Tulane. They still didn't show. They weren't throwing the ball down the field. And so I'm concerned about what is this Kansas State – Offense is going to look like you always have to be concerned about AJ Martinez turnovers, too. So maybe there's a reason for it that they weren't even attempting passes. Like the yards per attempt are pathetic. The total pass yards are pathetic. And it really cost them a game against the because they found themselves in a war. So I think they end up covering this game, but it's re- it's I'm a little bit hesitant thinking about, okay, what is this Kansas State offensive game plan here? And if they're just going to try to hand it off and never throw it down the field, Oklahoma's defense will shut them down. What are your thoughts here? Because I know you love kansas state emol baby
2: i think kansas state can beat them outright uh, i mean despite the loss to tulane this sets up real nicely for the camp for kansas state from an advanced stat perspective kansas state's offense is top 25 in line yards you know and coach Kleiman indicated this week that adrian martinez is going to take more initiative in running and throwing they're going to open up the playbook for adrian martinez now that could go really well, well they fucking better yeah, that could go really bad. It could go really well. But I think the key metric here, when I said the advanced stats line up nicely, Oklahoma is 110th in defensive line yards. This is a Kansas State offense that likes to run 21. They're going to put Deuce, a fullback, Adrian Martinez. They're going to run some uh, a real heavy rush. And, and the fact that Oklahoma is also 71st in defensive rushing success rate on a schedule against UTEP, Kent, Nebraska. Uh, I mean, th- it's embarrassing to have those kind of numbers. Now, you look at the other side of the ball, Dylan Gabriel was looking Heisman esque against Nebraska's defense. I'm not, I think almost anybody could right now. And the Kansas State defensive line is going to give Dylan Gabriel his first dose of pressure as a sooner. We have not seen that yet for Gabriel whatsoever. And when we saw him get pressure for Central Florida, he's prone to turnovers. So I think we're going to see a lot of that too, because this Kansas State defensive line is legit when it comes to applying pressure. So I expect Kansas State to slow this way down. 29 seconds per play. If their back seven can tackle at all, I think Kansas State absolutely can win this game outright. I, I do not believe in this Oklahoma defense at all.
1: Yeah, Martinez is going to have to do something. Is my point. I mean, I, yeah, the line yards are concerning, but it doesn't matter if you're not going to throw it downfield. You just bring your safeties up and okay, like so. Yeah, they do have to. Op- they have to open it up here. But this coaching staff has had a ton of success against Oklahoma. Back in 2019, they beat they beat Oklahoma as the number five team in the country. They beat them again in 2020. And last year, they lost by what, seven? Uh, but I agree. I'll, I'll be on, Candace, say with you. We're in a dead range right now. I'll be on it at 12, 12 and a half anyway, but there's no point in rushing right now at a line of 12 and a half. But uh, I'll keep my eye out on the market. All right, let's move on to our final marquee game of the day. And I'm sure this breakdown will be accepted by everyone in. The Southern California region. USC at Oregon State. Oregon State sitting there on a six, six and a half, one underdog over under 70 and a half. 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Pac-12 network. I have a bunch of people coming into town. My basement set up is all set up now. And I actually have Pac-12 network. So if you're in Lexington, uh, come on over and watch the game. it will be out of the bar. So maybe I'll shout be out, out, out to the bar before that.
2: Shout out to Direct TV not having Pac-12 network. So I have to stream it you know, throw it on the TV. It's such a hassle.
1: Yeah. Well, if you feel like making a trip to Lexington, come on (laughs) over. By the way, totals in the 70s, unders have been – we talked about this in that USC-Fresno game, although Fresno should have scored about 35 more points. Unders have been very kind to betters in totals in the 70s. Really hard. You just have to have a lot of things go right, and you also have to have the game stay relatively close. But uh, I love Oregon State here. I think that this line – should be as of right now about a field goal lower. We're going to rehash a lot of the things that we've already talked about, but this USC defense has major problems across the board. Teams are going up and down the field against them. I mean, I feel like a broken record, and USC is either getting turnovers, stops inside the five, you know, the other team's quarterback goes down. All of these things that you would expect to normalize over time. Oregon State, one of the best offensive lines in the country should be able to just get, I mean, they should be able to just move the ball on the ground up and down the field, control the clock on the other side of the ball. I like their secondary. Will they get many stops? Probably not. This USC offense is awesome. I mean, look, you have, there's just so much talent all over at quarterback at wide receiver. Like they can, it's a Lincoln Riley offense You know, they can run the ball and you know, it's going to be well-schemed. So they're really tough to defend, but I think Oregon State can keep up. And also, how does Oregon State get some stops? Well, yeah, does anyone ever think that maybe USC doesn't convert in the red zone? USC turns it over a couple times. Things that are probably overdue. But this will be the best defense that USC has faced. Um, by far, so you just need a couple stops. So I think Oregon State can keep up. I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to hold down this offense, which might be on par with, might be by the end of the year, might be right now the best in the country. But I, I just think this is too many points for Oregon State, in a home hype spot. USC has had every break possible go their way. I mean, we're talking Stanford; they don't turn it over inside the five twice. Chance to win. Fresno State. I don't know how many they couldn't even cover 21 and a half live for me. It stopped at the one. I don't know how many times their backup quarterback went up and down the field. I, I don't Fresno State settling for field goals at the five. I don't think Oregon State's going to settle for field goals. I think Oregon State is going to be able to move the ball up and down the field. They're going to get pushed in the offensive line. USC is going to match them, but, but I'm get, catching six, six and a half. I took it at six, six and a half. I'll wait to see if a seven pops, take it again. I'll probably have the money line in a round robin. And then by the way, if a seven never pops, this game, the total 70 and a half. And I don't think there's gonna be many stops, so there's probably gonna be an opportunity that you can get one of these teams that I could get Oregon State at higher than seven. All that they do is lose the toss and uh, or win the toss. USC starts the ball and scores, and then boom, I'm over seven. So I I I love the Beavers here. I think they win outright.
2: Yeah, USC uh, early in the running for horseshoe up the ass award, uh, an award that South Carolina won last year with all the wins they had to get the bowl season. There are rumors uh, circulating, there's smoke out there, haven't found the fire yet, about what Caleb Williams, um, what his mobility is going to be for this game. My retort to that, not that I'm betting USC, and I'm not, I bet Oregon State at seven, I bet it again at six, I can almost guarantee you it's going to be in our round robin parlay. Um, But I would argue that it doesn't matter if if Caleb Williams is not taking his designed runs. Uh, the emergence of not just Travis Dye, but Austin Jones is a running back, 8.2 yards per carry, more than four yards after contact. That guy's an animal. He had his helmet ripped off and kept running. Uh, you know, USC is number one in line yards. So, you know, if if Caleb Williams is not hogging up some of those carries, it, it benefits Dye and Jones, which are just as lethal from the backfield. So I think
1: and, you know, and it's just a scheme too, like the, the Lincoln yeah. Riley scheme, which you're, you're so worried about the pass. And by the way, they don't go fast. Like people think USC is like, because they put up so many points. and they're just extremely efficient and explosive, Yeah, you're so worried about the pass. And then his run schemes are so good, but all of the Oklahoma offenses, like when they're, when their offense was ever, it was like, remember when it was broken a little bit with rattler and they were trying those different um, zone scheme runs and they were trying some different stuff up front and then their whole offense fell apart because they couldn't run the ball yeah it all starts with with you know just runs runs take runs when where you can get them and then they're just gashing teams and then all all of a sudden you're just getting pummeled by explosive passing plays
2: you know Oregon State's going to be able to do some running themselves they consistently have every year under Jonathan Smith one of the best rushing games west of the Mississippi River but if you're tuning into this game and it's your first time to see Oregon State this year, wait till you see quarterback Chance Nolan connect with Harris Harrison, the wide receiver. Maybe the most electric player I've seen this year that I wasn't really thinking about during the summer. The average is 3.2 yards per route run. On. That's one of the most explosive targets in the nation right now. We need to find a way to stop this USC offense. Well, Smith, you know, had, uh, Jonathan Smith came out in his presser this week. He said, we have to cause turnovers against this USC offense. We can't let it come to us Uh, you know, we have to go in. So I think what you're going to see is a lot of Beaver defenders purposely trying to strip the ball. And they are going to go for havoc. They're going to go for the jugular to try to get in the backfield any means necessary. And they're going to try to strip the ball on every single tackle. Now there's, you know, another element to that. You can miss and USC can turn that into a touchdown. But Oregon State has made it very clear through their coaching staff. The emphasis is on getting that ball pulled out from the USC offense this week. We'll see if that turns into, you know, tackles behind the line of scrimmage, strip events, maybe scooping scores, or if it turns into explosive plays for USC. But if Oregon State, that's how you should defend USC. By the way,
1: like yeah, USC absolutely. is going to score against almost everyone all the time. Almost yeah. like their their points per drive are going to be astronomically high. So the way that you you play them is you keep your defense. Fresh, number one, and you just play extremely aggressive, try to create negative plays on early downs and or havoc turnovers, you steal two possessions in this game. Oregon State, really good chance of winning.
2: If Oregon State wins the havoc battle they will win this game outright in front of a crowd of 25,000 research stadium is under construction. So the, the current capacity is like 25,000. There's going to be 25,000 people drinking red wine and going crazy in Corvallis. Uh, It's going to be a scene, but my money's behind them.
1: Yeah. We will be uh, tweeting out some beaver gifts. All right. Before we continue as a reminder, the big bets on campus podcast is proudly presented by bet MGM so kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books, sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200, and your first wager is risk-free, up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877 8 hope ny or text hope ny in new york call or text the tennessee red line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in mississippi in ontario if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you please contact connects ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii ohio and utah and other states were prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york all right that'll do it for Marquee games of the weekend, but we have a lot more games. Let's start with the battle for the iron skillet TCU SMU TCU is a game like open to pick has been going up to one, two, coming down. I think they're like a one, one and a half point favorite here. You love you some horn frogs for the season and for this Saturday. Tell us why they walk away with the skillet in what should be a capacity crowd and a hostile environment at Gerald Ford.
2: Yeah, I mean, TCU has taken all the money all week. It's a little nerve wracking when you see that number stop at two and a half. and that
1: It will not not go to three.
2: It won't touch three. It won't touch three. But I don't know who's out there back in SMU here because Sonny Dykes knows every single player on both sides of the ball that's on that SMU offense. Um, More importantly, Joseph Gillespie as defensive coordinator might be the best coach in this game. Uh, And I don't think he's going to have problems with Lashley's offense that, you know, made (laughs) Tyler Van Dyke a Heisman sleeper in a a former world. But listen, Max Duggan is getting the start here. Chandler Morris is still injured. And, you know, that means there's going to be a lot of ground explosiveness that SMU just absolutely cannot
1: defend. Maryland was gashing them in the run game last week.
2: Yeah, and this offense, and and this might be bold, but TCU's offense I would take in a heartbeat over Maryland's offense. So, yeah. I yeah, can say but, they're both. But yeah. think about it from a depth of quarterback perspective, right? Behind Max Duggan is the third string quarterback, Sam Jackson, who is is literally a running lightning bolt. I, I've never seen anybody so fast. He's he, he's going to be lethal if he ever gets more playing. They're
1: team. probably close. So they both have really explosive, rece- uh, really good receiver rooms. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah. probably really close.
2: The number of quarterback hurries for SMU on Talia Tagovaila against Maryland last week. Do you want to know how many hurries that, that were put on Maryland last week? Zero. Zero. Yeah. Zero. So, I mean, you know, the one big improvement that TCU has had since Sonny Dykes took over, they're second in the nation in Havoc allowed. TCU was a disaster from a turnover perspective before he got there. Now the offense has zero fumbles and almost an FBS low, nine tackles for loss. I get it. Schedule adjusted. I get it. But nine tackles for loss, that's pretty impressive even in garbage time. So uh, for me, it's TCU all the way. If you haven't gotten in on this, maybe find a cheap money line. I'd still buy two. I'd still buy two and a half. I'd still buy three. There is just, I mean, Sonny Dykes, you know, <laughs> he's looking forward to this game. He was talking about this game in the summer. I'm not going to say I was a big 12 media days because it was. He was talking about this game in the summer.
1: Ding, ding, ding. Uh,
2: yeah. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh, this is uh, a game that uh, the entire Dykes family is looking forward to.
1: Here's a game that I bet. Another game where I'm like, "Why is this line not moving more?" Um, which makes me a little nervous. Notre Dame at North Carolina. I took North Carolina minus one and minus one and a half. No, well, I saw what I needed to see last week with this Notre Dame offense uh, in a smash spot against Cal at home. Like after a home loss to Marshall, they still can't do anything. Now you're look, you're playing a bad North Carolina defense, but North Carolina, it's a great spot for North Carolina. North Carolina's coming off a bye. So you hope that they address some of the, the defensive issues. You know, they, they also are going to get two starters back from injury. Their right tackle, Spencer Rowland, and then their, their three-technique defensive tackle, Miles Murphy, who I, I think both matter. You know, they're coming off a bye. They have revenge for the – you know, big core group of these guys have revenge for the past two years when they lost to Notre Dame. Notre Dame, limited time to prepare, going on the road. And as simple as we've seen Drake May – Absolutely roast whenever he's been out on the field this year, and he's looked tremendous. Like he's top five quarterback efficiency, and just go watch him. You could just tell he passes every single eye test, and we had a lot of questions about this offense coming into this year. I don't any longer. It's still the defense, and I don't know. A couple hours ago, Josh Downs, one of the best receivers in the country, who hasn't been playing, tweeted the. Arnold Schwarzenegger Giff I'm back he's back in the mix now like I I don't the Notre Dame offense is inept I'm not even sure that they can take that much advantage of a North Carolina defense that has been completely garbage uh so I think the spot the matchup the injury situation it's all North Carolina but this line is pretty holding pretty steady yeah,
2: Shocking, right? I mean, North Carolina is getting everything from sharps, squares, Joe's, any grandmas with money. It doesn't matter. Everybody's on North Carolina in this game. And I personally think that you should be on North Carolina in this game. If you're going to have these two defenses, which are outside the top 100 in so many categories, like North Carolina's near dead last and defensive finishing drive. So if Notre Dame get past the 40, they're going to get points, probably a touchdown on the board. But at the same time, the Notre Dame defense has been worse than expected. We thought this was going to be an elite defense after what they did with the two high shell against Ohio State. And all you've seen is outside the top 100 in havoc, 114th in line yards, 121st against the rush. They've been terrible, terrible on defense. And, and it's not just against Ohio State, it's other teams that have, that have roughed them up. So I think if you're going to look at this thing being a shootout against two defenses that are completely underperforming, why would you not take the one that has the more explosive and more efficient and the better success rate? And all those things point to North Carolina. And yeah, Notre Dame has a very high special teams rating. The number one team in the nation in SP plus special teams is North Carolina. So I'm with you. Downs is playing. I don't understand why this number is not moving. Uh, <laughs> if you want to insert, uh, you know, Admiral Ackbar from Return of the Jedi saying it's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. Fine. We don't use terms like that in, in narrative street here on, on this podcast, but. It, I don't understand why the line's not moving, Stuck. I really don't. No money down on it yet, but that's the. I mean, that's the side I would play.
1: I mean, ultimately, I don't care. He played North Carolina. Just an observation, but the thing that gives me, what that worries me, a little less, about this line moving is, Notre Dame. I got Marshall plus twenty one against Notre Dame on game day. It was at nineteen during the week, like it steamed up. How about against Cal? What was that line down to nine? It yeah, closed at 13-and-a-half. There's people out there that still like this Notre Dame team inexplicably.
2: Do so, they have any yeah. money
1: left? We'll see. I'll, I'll love – maybe they'll steam Notre Dame to – maybe Notre Dame will move to minus three I we can get uh, UNC plus three. All right, moving on to my favorite game of the day, Iowa-Rutgers. Iowa, Iowa seven-and-a-half point favorite, over-under 33-and-a-half think it has to be the lowest FPS total in quite some time. This game's at 7 p.m. Eastern on FS1. Amazing. It should be at noon, though. Uh, I played the under 35. I This game, these two offenses are <laughs> beyond dreadful, beyond dreadful. Neither can throw the ball. Rutgers <laughs> is just going to try to run into a wall. Iowa can't move the ball on anybody, not named Nevada. Rutgers just scored 16 on Temple. They, had a, they won 16 to 14. They beat BC twenty-two to twenty-one with some flukes, but they—I mean—last week against Temple, man, I—I I, I was watching that offense. It is their quarterback against Temple. This is a Temple offense again. It's like seven thousand yards to Duke. The quarterback for Rutgers, I think he finished nine of fifteen for fifty yards, like three yards per attempt. The quarterback, the quarterback uh, stats are going to be horrendous here. Now you can't have turnovers. The total is so low. There's not a lot of room for error, but the kicker, and which made me kind of push me over the edge here. This is a punning extravaganza, an absolute punning bonanza. If you like punning, which I do, I vote for the Ray Guy Award. I'll be tuned in watching every single punt closely with two of the front runners here. You're going to get like just flips of the field all night. And then you're going to have each opposing offense running into a brick wall send out the punter bet MGM sponsor this podcast any other books out there tweet me put an over under out for the amount of punting yards in this game If you want to you know get some excitement in this game that'll be the exciting thing how many putting yards they had 780 yeah that is my guess a thousand punting yards in this game let's yeah, set it two. at
2: seven let's let's set it at 760 you want to take the over the under
1: yeah I'll take the over um, eight,
2: eight punts eight punts at, at what 45 per her team. That's about, yeah, we're about there.
1: These teams will punt at the 32 and then like <laughs> pin. So there'll be like some 30 yard punts, the, you know, it'll be fourth and one at the 34 and they'll punt it. And then the other team will have to start at the one. The only thing you have to hope for is no state. You can't have safeties. And so you can't help. The punters are too good. You need them to be like elite, but not too elite. But then even if you have to punt deep, like at your own 10, these punters are capable of, you know, booming one 56 yards. So you don't have to worry about like a shank. You know, some of these college teams are punting from their own eight and it's a seven yard punt. And you're like, fuck me. Here goes my under. So there's a punting extravaganza. I cannot wait to bet this under thirty five. This is lower than any Army Navy total has ever been under. Can't wait. Can't wait to see how it loses and can't wait to sweat this out.
2: If Rutgers punter is going to win Ray Guy, Adam Corsack, if he's going to win it, it's going to be highlights from this film. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be uh this is going to be quite a conundrum for Iowa to cover and for this thing to go under. But it, 14, 3 three—that's
1: probably what Iowa fans
2: what what you're hoping for. Fourteen for Iowa to cover. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, three. I think there's some amazing stats with these teams. They've only played three games. Both of these teams ranks third and sixth in PFF and tackling. Uh, so there's not going to be any explosive plays whatsoever. I don't even know what a key number underneath thirty three and a half is. I or are we 31. twenty eight and thirty one. Right, that's where we're at. Yeah.
1: So I'd say, I would, play, I would play it down to 31 and a half, you know, like 17, 14, 17, 13, you know, 20 to 10, 21 to 10. I would not go below 31. I will play this over if it goes to 27 and a half. Okay. 27 your, and a half.
2: There's your number, everybody. Which team, uh, like, which one would you do team total under more on Rutgers or Iowa? I mean, it kind of goes into the spread,
1: but. I would probably do Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rutgers runs the ball
2: 70% at 29 seconds per play. I mean, it's, you're killing yourself from getting points on the board.
1: Yeah, there, there was an amazing post on Reddit about how this game could end, how it, they went through the entire play by, like, projecting on how this is going to play out. And they said the game is going to end one nothing. and here's how. And it actually could. So if it, went, it was 0-0, insert Beamer celebrating a 0-0 score in Wake Forest, Virginia Tech – Going to overtime after missed kick. Zero zero end of regulation goes to overtime. No one scores in the first overtime. No one scores in the second overtime. Zero, zero, third overtime. It's now just repeating two-point conversions. So Iowa doesn't get the first one. Rutgers is going for two and the win to win two-nothing in the third overtime. They throw a pick in the end zone. Iowa kid sees daylight and he says, this is the only chance any team is ever going to score. So he's trying to run out and take it back the other way. He takes it out of the end zone. He gets popped at the one. Ball flies up in the air into the end zone. Rutgers recovers it. It's a safety on a two-point conversion in triple overtime. The rule in college football for that is it's one point. Safeties are one point on two-point conversions. Rutgers wins one nothing. So there you have it. All, all, All total under one and a half. All right, let's move on to our next game. Maryland at Michigan. Michigan laying 17 here. I want to play Maryland, um, but I've believed in Maryland before. Think about Penn State. With, what, a couple of years ago, they throw the pick six late. And they they need explosive plays. Ready that you're going to be so frustrated with them. It's like inefficiency, inefficiency. All right, you got to hit enough explosive plays. Can they do that against Michigan? I don't know. I liked what I've seen so far. I don't know what to make of Michigan yet. I think they're going to be really good. They've played three middle school teams so far. So it's really hard for me to get a grip on this. This will give us a really good read on both teams. If I had a bet it. I bet Maryland, probably a pass.
2: So the play on this game is supposed to be Maryland because the projection that I have is 13 and a half. And if you look at some of the advanced metrics, the offense is going to be able to move the ball. They're able to, they're going to be able to get scores, but I just don't believe it. I feel like we've been in this situation before where conference opponents like Maryland have come into the big house And there's an advantage on the defensive side of the ball for Michigan. It ends up being six turnovers from from Maryland. The one game where they just squandered the ball away, uh, similar to what they did against Iowa on Friday night before. Maryland always does this
1: in big games. They'll have like personal fouls, a pick six. And then like you're you're down 24, nothing. Yeah. waiting for your life.
2: And I don't see a scenario where Maryland is in position to actually give Michigan like a run to actually win this game outright. So what does that mean? I think you're going to get way better than 17 live. I think you could get 24. I mean, you're going to want padding on that 17 considering what Harbaugh is doing at home against teams like Hawaii. I mean, if he can get to 60 points, he's going to try to get to 60 points. If he can shut him down to zero points, he's going to play his full defense and through the fourth quarter. So. Uh, you know, this is, I just don't want any part of Maryland whatsoever. It is an inflated number. The side should be Maryland, but this is not a team that you can trust with your money.
1: Uh, staying in the same state, Michigan state, catching three against Minnesota. This line opened Michigan state minus two and a half. I had to take the three here with team. Look, Minnesota has been great. Similar to Michigan. They've played nobody. Absolutely. Nobody. And they played Colorado, who is, might be the worst team in the country, New Mexico state, and I think Western Illinois, nobody. So this is kind of a tough spot for them in a way. It's like you go from playing absolutely nobody to then on the road in a raucous environment for your conference opener against a team off of a loss. And on top of that, Minnesota won't have its leading receiver. Bob and bell who's out for the year, which is massive, because how do you beat Michigan state? You Throw against their garbage secondary. Now they have they had a couple starters out on defense last week. I still don't know the status of them for sure. Jaden Reed, their best receiver and their top return man, he was out last week. I, I'm hearing Rommel, he's going to play, but I don't know yet. So those guys are obviously huge. But at least Peyton Thorne started to develop a connection with Coleman, that receiver at you know who had two touchdowns, and they they really. He could not complete a pass to him to start the year. And they finally kind of built uh, a little connection there in the Washington game. And they, you know, Michigan State came back and started to look a little better. So I think it's a better matchup for the Michigan State defense. Now, you, would, you want, you know, one of the best defensive tackles in there. You want, you know, your full arsenal of defense. And we don't know if they're going to have that. They've also lost another key starter for the year to an injury. But going up against the Minnesota rush-heavy attack, not having to worry about Otman Bell, I have to take the three here. Even if I'm backing a, an absolute garbage head coach, per his words, the resume is on the tape. I'm a horseshit football coach right now. So yeah, Sparty Nation, I'm with you here.
2: I love Mel Tucker. The humility, the chip on the shoulder, the I, he's perfect for Michigan State. But uh, listen, I'm with you 100 because with Minnesota having not having any passing options on the outside, they're going to rely heavily on that run. And Michigan State has been just fine against the run, sixth in line yards defensively. Uh, the big problem with Michigan State last week was that they had they were two defenders down in the back seven, safety corner, uh, and that's why Washington was able to just light them up. If those players are back, then that's great news for the defense. And not, I, I don't think they're going to allow any explosive explosives anyway to this Minnesota offense through the air. And they're well equipped in the front seven to defend the rush. So I do like Michigan State for that reason. Why have I not bet it yet? We finally have some threes in the market, but the whole Jaden Reed, like Peyton Thorne has been out of sync for what? 11 quarters this year. It was that second half where they started hovering around backdoor range against Washington. That's the first time Peyton Thorne has made any kind of connection with any receivers, not named Jaden Reed this entire season. So if that carries over to this game, they're going to be able to take advantage of the Minnesota defense. I'd like to have Jaden Reed playing this game, not just because he's Peyton Thorne's favorite target, not just because he's like one of the most electric players in all college football, but because he returns punts and he returns kickoffs. And that is extremely important to this team and to the spread more than what they're accounting for. So looking for Jaden Reed news, would love it if they got their two defensive backs back. Uh, but to me, you're I'm right. I'm with Sparty all the way. And we may have to wait till Saturday morning to get some news on who's going to be on the field for Spartans.
1: All right, let's move on to, uh, Oregon at Washington State. Washington State plus six and a half. You fade in road, Bo Nix. What's it, any thoughts here?
2: Yeah, we're supposed to take Washington State here. The you know, but the the, the problem is is the the home road splits with Bo Nix. Is that going to translate against the Palouse? You know, up in up in Pullman. Uh, defensively, Washington State has been excellent so far this year. But I mean, that's kind of how everybody's numbers look after you play. Wisconsin's offense, but they are top 10 in a huge number of categories from success rate havoc, uh, finishing drives and coverage. So, you know, from a defensive standpoint, yes, I can get behind Washington State where I have issues is on their offense, where they're throwing the ball, you know, 60% of the time. Oregon's defense is nothing great. I mean, they're 100th in coverage. They're 121st against the pass. But that's the one area where I'm having a hard time getting sold on backing Washington State. So, for me, it leans more to an under game than backing, uh, you know, Wazoo. But, yes, the home team is definitely the side against, against Bo Nix here.
1: Tulsa at Ole Miss. Ole Miss minus 21 and a half. You're riding oh. with the boys in your backyard. Such an overlooked
2: spot for Ole Miss here heading into SEC conference play against Kentucky the following week. Tulsa's airing the ball out like they have this <laughs> offense that all of a sudden that can go vertical down the field. Listen, Ole Miss, the offense is still not doing what they want from a, from a passing the ball perspective. They've mostly all been rushed this entire season. And if Lane Kiffin has, you know, if he wants to get up by 21 or 28 and then slow the game down because there's SEC play right around the corner, give it what? The Missouri State treatment? Tulsa's going to be able to hang around in this game. You know, I think 21 and a half is absolute buy on the Hurricanes.
1: Yeah, I look for, I'll look for Tulsa live there if Ole Miss goes up, because I think they will shut it down late. Wisconsin at Ohio State? Ohio State, after putting up a 77 spot on Toledo, lane 19 against Wisconsin. And your boy, Graham Mertz, anything here?
2: Well, the thing is, I'll get chastised on this podcast if I start talking about backing Graham Mertz for anything. So I don't know if I can do that ever again. But, you know, they are. You can,
1: you can talk about backing him potentially as a dog, although I'm worried about the the – Wisconsin defense here. I love Jim Leonard, but they lost a lot, and they're going. And this Ohio State offense last week was going up against a very good top 40, by the way. This isn't like your typical MAC defense, Toledo defense. They put up 77. Graham Mertz is going to have to try to keep up. You know, it's a much improved Ohio State defense. I, I can't back Wisconsin here. Well,
2: I think oddsmakers are having a problem with this number two because the more money that's coming in Ohio State, the more this is getting steamed. There's no reason to play 18 and a half or 19, uh, but who knows how high this is going to go. I know Wisconsin is number one in the nation in defensive finishing drives and they're fifth in coverage, but you throw that out the window, especially when you see that CJ Stroud has made that Smith Najigba connection with the rest of his wide receivers. That is the scary offense that you and I projected to be in the national title game. I'm not getting in the way of it.
1: All right. Good stuff there. Let's move on to there's not enough, you know, marquee FCS, FPS matchup. So we'll we'll push the FCS or no back to next week. And we'll be doing that a lot throughout the no, season. So no South
2: Dakota state, Missouri state handicap this week.
1: I talked to Petrino, you know, we went over the game plan for this upcoming week. So I, I'm curious to see where the number comes out and then I'll confer with him. And then uh, if I like anything, I'll, I'll put it out on the action app, but it's time for my second favorite segment. And that's Colin on San Diego state totals. He is now 0 for three on the season. So we all are three and Toledo, San Diego State, over under 45 and a half. You've gone over the past two weeks after you went under week one. They went over week one and under the past two weeks. Are you going back to over?
2: I'm going over. I'm going over in San Diego State. Toledo.
1: Aztec overs. Toledo. Yes. I love the under. I love the under. I've been waiting to put it in. I've been waiting to bet it because I wanted to make sure that you love the
2: over. I do. I do. And the number number keeps going down or else I'd put it in the app. But, I
1: mean – Listen, I'm going to bet this right now.
2: I mean, both these defenses are not that great. San Diego State's 122nd in tackling. They're not. This is not the same defense whatsoever, right? Doesn't
1: they're
2: not, matter. They're 91st in havoc. They're terrible. And listen, Toledo needs to score some points after what happened last
0: week. Got some unfinished business here in Toledo.
1: Getting blown out, showing their ass. So Toledo's defense is, like I said, a top 40 unit. They, yeah, they got blown up by the, it was this huge talent discrepancy against Ohio State. Their offense is a mess. They lost another starting offensive lineman. It's probably going to cost them their win total. They're now moving all kinds. They lost two of the most important starting offensive line before the year started. Their offensive line is a disaster. They can't really throw the ball right now. You're not going to run it against San Diego State. San Diego State's defense got embarrassed last week, bounced back this week. Toledo's defense got embarrassed last week, bounced back this week. against the San Diego State offense that's lost. Lost. They can't do anything it's just Braxton Burmeister just throwing it, throwing the ball into an abyss uh, under. Hey, it's under.
2: Oh, 46 and a half. It's, it's MGM, Bet MGM, it's steamed down to 44 and a half. Keep coming down because that's going to – I mean, that's an over for me. 2.30 in the afternoon, man. Under. Dragon Stadium.
1: Early start, too. Toledo will be sleeping on offense early for them. I might wait and, like, play it in the second quarter when the total is, like,
2: 28, you know? I don't
1: know. <laughs> over. I'm going to put this in the app right now and bet it myself. Uh, All right, before we get out of here, we have one final order of business. Let's go three and out.
2: One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out. All
1: right, let's start. First down, our favorite bet of week four, Charlotte. Charlotte plus 22. Chris Reynolds is back at quarterback. That means this offense is a rocket ship. They are going up against a South Carolina defense that has been Absolutely ravaged by injuries. I mean, they could be without eight, eight defensive starters from week one. A couple are already out for the year. A bunch more are very questionable to play. And South Carolina, you have South Carolina, you have Charlotte, you have that South Carolina State, and then Kentucky in the start of SSC play. So I think when in doubt, they're going to be cautious here with a lot of these injuries. You know, that secondary, if they have all, and a lot of these injuries are in the secondary. Charlotte can keep up here. We saw what Chris Reynolds did last week at Georgia State. One outright is three touchdown underdogs. They have great receivers. Offense is firing on all cylinders. They'll come into this game with a lot of confidence. Will they get many stops? No, Charlotte's so not stopping anybody. But I'm getting over three touchdowns. And even if they're down 28 late, Reynolds go get us the back door. This number is inflated. I don't think that the market is properly adjusting for the amount of points. That Chris Reynolds is actually worth for the Charlotte team. Without him, worthless. Uh, UMass, Colorado level. Colorado State with him, this team could score. Defense is worthless, but uh I like plus twenty two here. Good spot.
2: I'm gonna go with a Duke Kansas under sixty six. I think there's some sixty five and a halves out there. Listen, as expected, this Duke defense is much improved under Mike Elko, running the four two five. They have a couple of extremely high-graded corners per PFF. Joshua Pickett, top 20 individually and forced incompletion rate. And, you know, Mike Elko's defense at Duke, they've allowed only nine drives this season to cross the 40-yard line. Pretty impressive turnaround job that he has done there. And then the Kansas defense, they haven't been bad themselves, especially against the run. So they're going to have to stop Jordan Waters, who's averaging five yards after contact. He ranks fifth in PFF for elusiveness. Uh, that is something that the Kansas defense has shown they can do against the ground, not so much against the air, but that's not going to be a problem against Riley Leonard. And, you, you know, the Kansas is 11th in tackling right now. They're going to limit explosive plays. They're fundamentally sound, just like their coach has been everywhere, you know, from Buffalo to Kansas. Uh, I don't expect a ton of explosive here from Duke. And I don't think Jalen Daniels is going to have much success in the air like he has the entire season. This is going to be a slow p- pace game. Uh, Mike Elko came out in the press this week and he said us running up tempo or us having the pace of the game goes fast, only hurts our defense. And we want this to be a defensive game. This is going to be a slow. pace. I know it's exciting. These Kansas and Duke offenses have been fun to watch, especially out of those colors and those jerseys. But this is going to be a slower pace game. Both teams, offensive finishing drives are going to take over. And that Duke secondary is going to give them a shot to win this game outright in Lawrence.
1: So give me the under yeah, here, Kansas. I agree. Uh, the, in this battle of blue bloods undefeated college basketball, blue bloods. Kansas has been unbelievable. They won as double digit dogs at West Virginia. Then win as close to double digit dogs against Houston, but West Virginia has problems. Houston, we've talked about this for weeks. They, they look like something fights on the
2: sideline.
1: Yeah. All the credit in the world to Kansas, but the market has gone too far. Yeah. Um, And now seven and a half. uh, I guess a much improved Duke team. Uh, both of these teams are really improved, but seven and a half. You got Elko lead that defense. Ryan learn has been really good for that offense. Duke overall, one of the most improved teams in the country. Give me the hook over seven. Can, all can you
2: be a nine-point underdog to a G five team and then be a seven-point favorite, a seven-half-point favorite to a power five team? It's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too many points for the Duke backcourt. Let's move on to second down. Our favorite overdog. It's called the overdog parlay. I think we're 5-1 on these. we got to get our underdog money on Parlay going, but these have been absolute money, especially if you remove Colin Betting-Graham Mertz, then we're undefeated. I'm going to go with Northwestern. I bet this earlier this week. I think it's the only big overdog I have so far. Length, I I laid seven. I think the line is up to seven and a half now. I'd still bet it. I'd bet it up to nine and a half. This Miami-Ohio team is kind of a mess right now. Backup quarterback. They're starting left tackles out tight end did come back, but it's just a really ineffective offense. And by the, it's just a beat up team in general. This is the end of a brutal out of conference schedule. They played Cincinnati, They played Kentucky. Now they go to Northwestern before the start of conference play. Northwestern, meanwhile, is coming off back to back home upset losses against aforementioned Duke when you know they were going to tie the game and fumbled at the goal line. Last week against FCS Southern Illinois, little, some fluky stuff with turnovers happening. Again, but I expect them to come out here with a fully focused max effort. Miami of Ohio is just beat up; they'll get beat up in the trenches here. Brett Gabbert was their whole team. Uh, he he was the engine that made the car go. Without him, it's going to be a real struggle for Miami of Ohio. So I think Northwestern comes out early. You know, puts Miami of Ohio away. The Miami of Ohio kind of packs it in. Focusing on staying healthy before conference play. So give me Pat's cats. Mm. Pat's cats.
2: Yeah. My favorite favorite is Tennessee volunteers. And uh, I love it more and more. It's not a question of, uh, am I going to bet it? It's a question of how much am I going to bet it? And is it going to be on the team total over? Or is it going to be on this 10 and a half number where I would love to snag a 10? Florida has absolutely dominated this series, embarrassed Josh Heupel last year with Emory Jones, not even with Anthony Richardson, with Emory Jones last year. And by now, everybody knows that Anthony Richardson hasn't thrown a touchdown pass. But what's more shocking is that he doesn't have any big time throws. He has six turnover worthy plays. He has not been a very good quarterback whatsoever. And yeah, Florida can establish a run, but that's not going to work against Tennessee. Tennessee's run defense is pretty good. Tennessee's run defense is really good. And what happens when Hendon Hooker is running that offense at a lightning pace here? Uh, They're sixth in seconds per play in the nation, 20th in success rate. Seventh in finishing drives is a real problem for Florida because everything past the 40 turns into a touchdown for Josh Heupel. And I think the one big key takeaway is Florida's game against South Florida last week. The Bulls were 73% post-game win expectancy, and they were well above national average in passing downs. Florida is terrible in, in in defending passing downs. And if you have one handicap, maybe like if you can throw some love Florida's way, it's really based upon what Tennessee is going to do on defense because defensive coordinator Tim Banks, he's going to have to break away from playing man. Kentucky plays zone. They kept their eyes on Anthony Richardson. But Tim Banks plays a lot, a lot of man. And they only had 25% of opponent dropbacks this year. Tennessee has played in uh, zone coverage. So if they switch that around, they could keep Florida from scoring. I would take a Florida team total under, but we're not going to know that. So I like the Tennessee team total over. I also love Tennessee if I can get the 10, but I'll bet 10 and a half too. This is my favorite over, over.
1: All right, let's move on to third down. And that's our underdog Moneyline Parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Fight off, baby. <laughs> Give me Oregon State. I already talked about this game. Just need to steal a couple possessions, shoot out. That regression's coming for USC.
2: Yeah, I already talked about my game too. I'm taking Kansas State on the money line. Kansas State's going to dominate the trench on both sides of the ball, uh, defensive line and offensive line. They're going to win. And what that means is Dylan Gabriel is going to get some pressure. And that Dylan Gabriel that we come to know down at UCF that had just turnover, turnover turnover-worthy plays coming all the time, that's finally going to show up here. Adrian Martinez is going to be a larger part of the Kansas State offense. They're going to run a lot of 21. And considering the fact that Oklahoma is outside the top 100, outside the top 110, and line yards on defense means they can't control the trench. Kansas State is going to hog the ball 35 to 40 minutes. They're going to put a choke out on Oklahoma's offense, and they're going to win this game outright.
1: So let's go Beavers, and let's go e All right, that'll do it for us. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. Thanks to Colin, as always, for joining me. Thanks to all of our audio and video people on the back end for all the great work that they do. Thanks to our sponsor, BetMGM. Make sure you check out Big Bets on Campus, live, 10.30 a.m. Eastern, where myself, Colin, and Brett McMurphy will break down Saturday's marquee games and give our best bets. Leave a review, five-star review. I don't care what you say. We'll do some giveaways. Producer, I think we have some for this week. Cut in here with him now.
0: Thanks, Ducky. Yes, this week's winner is Club Nick Season with his review entitled Zavin Collins. The review was mostly uh, shitting all over me for having stale Dabo Sweeney drops, but it was five stars. That is how you do it, folks. Make fun of us. Make fun of the show. Give us that feedback, but leave us those five stars. Please email me at podcasts at actionnetwork.com to claim your prize.
1: Appreciate all of you listening. Let's keep it rolling. Good luck this weekend, and we'll catch y'all Monday with a recap. Don't forget about the voicemails, 959 bad Beat. Cheers. He's out.